Hello and welcome to the Kane Violation. I have a special guest today. He's been on the podcast before. He's uh, a big Celtics fan, just like I am. So, you know, we're we're going crazy right now. It's Cousin Alex. What's going on, man? Sam, what's up, pal? It's good to be on again. Yeah, how are you enjoying these injury-riddled playoffs? Good God. Ugh. The news today was terrible. I mean, I did not expect Chris Paul to be out, Kawhi to be out. It's just so bad. So last episode, I did the bottom 10 teams in the NBA, picking out restricted free agents and uh, whether I think a team should bring them back or give a qualifying offer or not. So actually four teams are already out since they don't have any restricted free agents this offseason. So those four teams are the Pacers, the Warriors, Spurs, and Grizzlies. Um, We're doing all the the middle-of-the-road teams this time. Um, So it's going to be the Heat, the Wizards, Hornets, Blazers, Lakers, and uh, we'll save the best for last with the Celtics. And uh, what's going on with them? So I figured maybe we'll start with the Miami Heat here. They actually have two restricted free agents this offseason. Both were not drafted and have played really well. Um, Kendrick Nunn and Duncan Robinson. Uh, Let's start with Kendrick Nunn. Do you think the Heat should offer him a substantial contract this offseason? I don't think they will. I just don't think that he really fits in with them. I know he had a good end to the season this year, but for the amount of money he can make elsewhere, I'd be stunned if they signed him, especially because they're probably hunting bigger fish at this point. They probably don't want to tie up their cap. So that's crazy. He's already a restricted free agent after only his second year in the league. I guess that's a benefit of being undrafted because if he was picked in even the first round he'd be under contract for uh two more years because you get four guaranteed years on your rookie deal most of the time so he gets he gets an early payday i yeah i don't think he's gonna get a lot of money from them i i wouldn't if they're gonna offer him anything i wouldn't go over like 12 million a year maybe offer a contract similar to what uh josh richardson got um four years ago because i agree with that he's just he's he's a bit inconsistent and if yep and the um this is already a very expensive roster and if you're really gonna look to pay you're gonna have to pay Tyler Hero in a couple years I mean I know he had a down year but you know you you think he's he just had a sophomore slump and that he's gonna you know rebound have a better year next year and develop into a really good player but then I guess we could go to the next guy this is who I think they should consider keeping and that's Duncan Robinson now the thing with Duncan Robinson is he might refuse anything Miami offers 
because there might be a team with cap space out there that's just going to offer them an absurd amount of money. I, I've heard teams might offer them like $20 million a year, which is, you know, yep. really wild. That's what I wrote down, too. I wrote... Yeah, yeah, it's it's wild. I, I mean, I can't even imagine that. So yeah, I wrote down Duncan Robinson would be twenty plus mil a year, and Kendrick Nunn would be around sixteen to twenty mil a year. Yeah, which there's no way that's worth it for the Heat for those two guys. No, yeah, I feel like you you gotta pick one of those, and yep, I I feel like Nunn is kind of replaceable, and yeah, you know, you're not really gonna find shooters like Robinson out there. He's already this good at shooting so early in his career. Mm-hmm. And he could actually stay. And he's played a lot for them. He he has. He could stay on the floor, especially in those finals games, mm-hmm. whereas none, you, know, you really you couldn't keep him out there for too long. But Robinson could hold his own. So, yeah, I, I think they should focus on bringing back Robinson and um, saving that that cap space for Hero as well. Hero will be a, I think, a restricted free agent twenty twenty three. God, time flies. So, yeah, it's amazing how much younger Hero is than Nunn and Robinson. <laughs> Nunn and Robinson are pretty old for you know young players. I mean, Robinson's gonna be twenty seven, yeah. I think, this year, yeah. and Nunn is twenty five. Yeah. Robinson, he was a Division three player. Ends up going. I think it was was it Michigan or Michigan State that he ended up at. Michigan. It was Michigan. He was on the team that lost in the championship game, I believe, ah. to Villanova. Oh man, but still very impressive to go from D three to Division one. It's it's really hard to do. Rarely ever happens unless you're Ben Wallace. <laughs> yeah, and he's a New England kid. Pretty sure he's from New Hampshire or Maine. I don't even know if Duncan Robinson is worth it for the Heat. He's he's he. I mean, he started seventy two games this year, which is impressive. But he plays thirty two minutes a game, and he only averages thirteen points a game as you know a pure shooter. I know he his role is just to kind of stand there and shoot threes, and he's decent at everything else. But I don't think he really has the stats or impact in that finals last year against the Lakers to you know warrant a 20 plus million dollar contract especially for them when they have other guys that i mean they're 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 gonna be in play for big guys in the next couple off seasons they always are and i don't think it would be smart of them to tie up a lot of money in a guy like him who can pretty quickly become a really bad contract that's true and miami's made this mistake before with re-signing like all their guys. Tyler Johnson. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh my God. But that was a chaotic off season. I mean, Alan Crabb and Tyler Johnson were making more money than you know real stars. Yeah, that was part of that 2016 cap boom that messed up a lot of teams, going way overboard paying role players like 15 plus million dollars to. Infamous Mozgov money. That's what, <laughs> that's what, uh, Timothy. Oh my God! And he's not even in the league anymore. He, I will say, he was a force in that finals the year before for the Cavs. He was, he was, especially in the first one that they were in. He was like very key for them. 
Yeah. He was a good center for that finals team. He was. It, it, it was him and Tristan Thompson, like, both starting. That's they like, dominated the boards. It was the rebounds that really kept them in that series. Yep. They slowed the game down so much um, so that you know, it didn't wear out LeBron too much. And they really they made it a series early on. But, yeah, the young Warriors just ended up uh, being too much for them. Yeah, and I believe Kyrie got hurt too early in that series. Yeah, I think it was game one. And then one. the next year they came back and won. It was game one. And remember how Kevin Love got hurt? Oh, yeah, the the Boston <laughs> legend. Kelly. The heavy, the Boston heavy hitter, Big Kelly O. <laughs> everyone was oh, he'll be coming up in a little bit when I have some, uh, some trades I want to run by you. Oh, yeah, I can't wait to hear these. All right, so we definitely agree. Um about Kendrick Nunn and then Duncan Robinson. Yep. Yeah. $20 million, definitely an overpay. Um, you know, yeah, maybe you should save the space, but you know, maybe just offer him like 20 million over three years. So it's, if you want to clear cap space, he's not a terrible contract to, to get off of. Yeah, if you keep it short term, teams are always willing to have contract year type moves where they can quickly cle- clear cap of guys that are on long term. Right. So it wouldn't be a bad idea to keep them short term, but they could always just wait it out too. And if no one offers them anything, you know, lowball the shit out of them. Yeah, definitely. But I, w- I would be surprised if there wasn't a team out there that would at least go up to 20 million. I bet there will be. I don't the see Knicks, it for either guy, to maybe. be honest. The Knicks. Yeah, wanting their uh, Steve uh, Steve Novak two point <laughs> Yeah, he was a real threat. Yeah, I mean he was a he was a knockdown shooter, but it's amazing that he actually made it to the league. How how good do you have to be at shooting to be that unathletic <laughs> to actually get minutes in the NBA? I mean, he had to have been absolutely knocked down water in practice to ever even sniff the floor. I know it's he, amazing. He was what not a career. Good at anything else, and I know you went. I think it was Game Six that you went to because that was the last game that Pierce yep. Garnett. Pierce's last game. Yeah, mm-hmm. and Garnett were both Celtics. I was at Game Four, where they were gonna get swept. Everyone thought they would, so tickets were so cheap. I, I brought my little brother. It was his first Celtics game. And Celtics actually won that game in overtime, so that was really cool. But I I saw Steve Novak miss the most wide open three like he could have, and I was just shocked. I was like, "How did he miss that?" Like he, he that's literally his only job is to hit wide open threes. He yeah. doesn't have any other role on any team ever. I mean, he can't do anything else. I can't believe he actually, like, if he's missing shots like that in huge moments, I can't, like, he, he should have just been released the next day. Yeah, that that was really it for him after that. He was just, like, tossed around the league after that because he was, like, under contract. He, he signed a long-term contract after that really good year with the Knicks in 2012, and then they just kind of... They're like, all right, we actually, he was in the Andre Bargnani trade, so he went to the Raptors... Oh, wow. Raptors trade him to the Jazz, and then I think he actually, I think Jason Kidd did him a favor and signed him uh, on the Bucks in, like, 2015. 
in 2016. Jason Kidd did a lot of favors for his old players. He signed Kenny yeah. Martin in 2015 when he was like 39 years old. <laughs> he was a terrible coach. He is a terrible coach. Yeah. I don't think he'll ever. I mean, he's rumored to be in the running for a lot of these jobs. I don't really see it. Yeah, I saw the Magic were talking to him. I don't know about that. Oh, God, yeah, that, that team will be really dangerous with him. Oh, God, yeah, he can teach. Oh, man, uh, that would be a disaster. He can teach Cole Anthony and Mark L. Fultz all the, oh. all the tricks, you know. I mean, the, the Magic are just dead forever. It's It's pretty sad. Yeah. They just have no chance. Yeah, ever since Dwight, it's uh, it's been bad. It's been depressing. Yeah, they've had a lot of talent, just not really anyone that puts them over the top, which is amazing considering they've had top five picks every year for the last hundred years. So, I don't really understand how their only real guy that they drafted that's still there and is pretty good, I believe, is Jonathan Isaac, yeah. and he just he's hurt every year. Yeah, he's he's always hurt. They've, yeah, they just made bad picks, bad trades, too. I mean, Old Depot, they, I mean, he developed uh, much later on into an all-star, but mm-hmm. bad trades. They traded Ibaka for him, just really not smart moves. And then there's the whole whiteboard nope. incident. I'm sure you remember that one. You remember that? No. Um. So they signed... Like, late in the season, they sign, like, some, like, you know, scrub player who's not in the league anymore to a 10-day contract, and his agent took a picture. And Oh, and all the names, like, of the people, <laughs> like, their targets or whatever were on the board. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, that was hilarious. That was the the, ha- uh, the Hennigan years, right? Rob Hennigan? Yeah. I think yeah, was yeah. the guy. Oh, man, yeah, I totally forgot about that. That was hilarious. (laughs) It was so bad. They had, like, their own players on there, and they would, like, mark (laughs) X next to it, like, indicating, like, oh, he's on the team now. (laughs) (laughs) DJ Augustin, X. Yeah, yeah, Jeff Green, X. (laughs) After they paid him $15 for one year. <laughs> hey, I guess oh, we can't man. clown on him too much after how we played last night. Would have been nice if he did that more often with the Celtics, but hey. Yeah, he had his moments on the Celtics. Yeah. That that's just who he is. He's just streaky but very inconsistent. You can never count on him. But he'll come out of nowhere some games and have twenty points and be a huge factor. And he had a decent he actually had a decent Celtics career for, you know the weird place the organization was in at the time, like the transition from, you know, the old timers, the championship guys to like the new regime. So I didn't hate him too much. I just hate him because of that game seven a couple of years ago Yeah, I was gonna when say he that. came out of nowhere and had like 20 points. Yeah. Talk about a revenge game. God, we were so close to the finals that year. Yeah, I can't believe I it, like I'm still stunned how close we were to the finals. It's like I think we were up like two points with six minutes left, with a chance to go to the finals with that team. I mean, we would have gotten killed, and I sound completely delusional by saying this, but we played the Warriors well that year. We did. So. And I I totally I mean, would have gotten like Celtics finals shirts. Mm-hmm. Like even knowing that they weren't gonna win, but I I probably would have gotten like an Al Horford like twenty eighteen Finals jersey. 
it's just amazing how much bigger of like like think of how kind of dumb that is where Celtics are kind of perceived as never getting over the hump which they haven't they haven't made the finals but the heat you know they kind of get like they made it to the finals they're legit all this stuff and they really only made it like how were they lose four to two in the finals so it, it was like it's not like it's amazing how like those three games of a difference like you win like literally two or three more games and you're just thought of completely differently yeah. um yep. let's roll through our next guy the wizards uh they have a restricted free agent uh Isaac Bonga. <laughs> it's it's sad that like I know this guy from 2K because oh, yeah. I swear to God, and when he was a rookie, when he was 19, I I honestly think he was like six two when he was on the Lakers, and he all of a sudden is he's six nine now. I think he's grown at least six inches. I like I could be wrong again. I don't want to keep being wrong on your podcast, but like I'm pretty sure he was like a point guard who was you know. Six two, six three, like smaller, and now he's like <laughs> a defensive wing who's six nine. Yeah, I, I could never really make out what he was like a, a small ball center or just like a a bouncy power forward. Like, yeah, I think he's decent on defense, zero on offense, but he played nineteen minutes a game last uh, two years ago. Yeah, yeah, he was injured for most of the last season. And I think they basically just got him for free. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure if he was in one of the trades where the Lakers were trying to get off salary or if the Lakers just straight up waived him and the Wizards signed him. Because so many of those Lakers guys ended up on the Wizards um, after a couple of years. Um, so. Yeah, those let the Lakers team was awful, and I just looked it up too. He was definitely not six three when he was drafted. He did grow a couple inches, but I was wrong there. But you know, I know what you're gonna get to. I would honestly be stunned if anyone even tried to make an offer for him. Yeah, I this was like one of the only ones where I was like, I don't think they're gonna offer him anything. Like, <laughs> Two points a game, no. career three points a game. No. I mean, if you start 57 games and you only average three points a game in your career, come on. That's rough. That, that, that's pretty rough. you got to be really freaking good at defense if uh, <laughs> if that's those are the only points you're putting up. So, yeah. I think it's a pretty easy one. I think he'd be lucky to have a job next year. He'll probably get a job somewhere. <laughs> In the He'll have a job at Staples. <laughs> yeah, at Staples. <laughs> in, in the printing department. Um, yeah, eh, maybe a G League team will take him. Maybe he's eligible for a two-way contract. Seems like they offer those to anyone who's had any kind of success in the league who split less than three years or less than four years. They keep changing the rules for the two-way contracts. I never, I never know, like, they used to not be allowed to be active in the playoffs, and now they can be. Because we had talked. Yeah, wasn't that just for? Yeah, that was like for this year, though, right? Just because I, think, I remember when we had yeah. signed Jonathan Gibson, we couldn't bring him to the playoffs, right? Even though we kind of needed him that year. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh my God, we had him for a couple years at the end of each year. Um, 
and yeah, we could. He was great. I loved that guy. Yeah, he could score. I liked him a lot. Just uh, snatched him from China to uh, to come on over and play. Um, yeah, so Bonga, he'll probably get an opportunity somewhere. <laughs> Bonga, <else>. Bonga, <laughs> bouncy Bonga. It's yeah, just to being on the Wizards and you know that Lake, that awful Lakers team. It's just it just it was never gonna work out for him. Maybe somewhere else. We'll see. All right, we'll move on to the Hornets. Got an interesting one here. He was a lottery pick. Malik Monk is a restricted free agent this year. Now, you haven't met my buddy uh, Dan Greeny yet. Um, Hopefully you will someday. He's a huge Kentucky fan, so he was so high on Malik Monk going into the league. And it's been been a little disappointing i'd say he's uh he's been very inconsistent also not really getting too much playing time but um this year he had some stretches where he was all right and yeah i think he's a good player he was he was great in college great in college yeah he was but really good college i don't know if you have this in front of you but how many games do you think he started in his career for the hornets I'm going to guess less than 30. He started one game in his career. Are you shitting me? Four four seasons, one game he started. He's played in 233 games, started only one. He only plays 17 minutes a game. What? How can you? Yeah. Averages only nine points for his career. It's kind of bizarre how his career has gone, honestly. I would have thought he would be like a heat check scorer, you know, would average 15 a game on those bad Hornets teams where they were begging him to, you know, do something. He was playing 20 minutes a game still, even though he didn't start. And the fact that he couldn't really score is, is kind of damning. I, I think he could be a good bench scorer. I just don't think a team will offer him more than, like, 8 to $12 million a year. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, you know, maybe if the Hornets want to bring him back, increase his salary a little bit, maybe even, you know, offer um the qualifying offers and if he takes it fine whatever i think that would just pay him seven million dollars for one year or if he wants to sign long term for less than 10 million sure i think um i think it's worth a gamble i'd say i mean he had yeah he had 36 points he, he had over 30 points in two games this past season both ironically against the heat um he had 36 Mm. against the heat on uh february 1st played nearly 40 minutes a game so wow the guy can get hot yeah that's i mean he 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 has it in him he's only 22 so i guess i can recant i i i think a team could see potential and take a big swing on like a mid-level contract yeah I think that's I don't think they should though. I, I feel like some guy, like a guy in his position, like I feel like the way his career has gone there, he should just move on. Almost, I, I feel like a fresh start when you've had like that minimal success and you've started one game under that coach in your career. I don't think it's gonna work out for him. Yeah, I'm sure his agent's gonna try and push him somewhere else. You know, maybe see if he, mm-hmm, he definitely can sign like a a one year deal. Um, 
or even like a two-year deal somewhere and you know hit free agency sooner hopefully after playing really well get a bigger payday um so yeah kind of like the julius randall thing right. where you sign you sign something that's low risk for a team but good money and you kind of just play for a contract yeah exactly yeah like what randall did in new orleans he was i think he was only there for a year actually and then yeah and i don't think it was that much money i think it was i mean i don't remember exactly but it couldn't have been more than like 14 million for that one year yeah no it definitely wasn't too high and then he signed with the knicks and after the first year it looked like a pretty bad contract and now it's like a really good contract i mean it, it, the Knicks are almost wishing they signed him like for four years instead of three. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a tough decision. Um, I don't think they should. I think they should play it out for this year. Um, see how he is. We're kind of getting off topic, but I did want to talk about him because it's pretty interesting. Because he kind of does like all these guys can. You know, you never know. Like with him, his his career seemed like it was just he was a great player, but it didn't seem like it was ever going to work out. And now he's what second team All NBA. Yeah. So. Yeah. So yeah, I mean it can happen. I I remember wanting the Celtics to draft him in 2014 after you know watching Kentucky games with uh, my buddy Dan and just, just recognizing that he looked like a a man amongst boys in all those mm-hmm. college games. And, um, yeah, it just it didn't work out early on. But um, I actually predicted not this past season. It might have been around two seasons ago because sometimes, um, you know, uh, one of my coworkers who's an NBA fan will, will like, uh, try and predict who, um, who will be the NBA's most improved player. I did predict Randall, like, it was either two or three years ago. And I guess I was... A few years too early, but eventually it happened. Yeah, you would have been you would have been right if it was that New Orleans year. He was great that year. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, the first year with the Knicks didn't seem great. Yeah. And he just got it this past year. Oh yeah, it was a runaway. If you if you make it to the second team All NBA, I feel like you you have to win that award if you come out of nowhere. Right. And then Tatum didn't even make it. Ah, but well. Yeah, the I think it'll be like I honestly think that'll be good for him. It'll be I good. think he he's very driven by individual accolades, so I think this will like kind of put a, a fire under his ass um, for the wrong reasons. But um, you know that is a bummer to lose out on thirty two mil. Yeah, it I definitely feel bad for him. I mean, I guess it helps our cap space a little bit, but. We're gonna oh, huge! Yeah, it's it's good. It's great for us because he'll be very motivated next year. Yeah. All right. So the next team we have here is the Portland Trailblazers. Here's an interesting name: restricted free agent, also late lottery pick, Zach Collins. Uh, he was injured for most of this year. He he's had some success in the past, but. I I wouldn't be offering any big contract um, to him if I'm Portland. Yeah, me neither. Um, I'm disappointed how his career has gone because he was really good at Gonzaga. And it seemed like he was going to be a good stretch post player in the pros. But I just don't think he has the, the size or 
I don't really know what it what it is. Um, he's not really that good of a three point shooter, which I feel like he would need to be to really contribute. And he hasn't played a playoff game in three years, so and his playoff stats aren't that good. He just doesn't really have anything that st- stands out, and I, I I don't think he would be worth more than ten mil a year. No, definitely not. And I'm I'm looking at his stats right now. Did he really not play a game at all this year? I no zero games. Oh my, yeah, I'm on basketball references. I I thought mm-hmm. maybe he might have came back for like a couple games, but wow. That's uh, that's not good. That's not a good sign. I mean, maybe they could sign him for like super cheap because of that, like under ten. Million. Yeah, I think, I think he'll sign for super cheap and try to play it out and just make as much as he can while he can. Yeah, I think that's what you gotta do at this point. Get the most guaranteed money you can. Mm-hmm. If they are, I I don't think they would even offer um the qualifying offer since that would be like. Seven or eight million a year if if he takes it. He was a high pick, right? Yeah, he wasn't like mid first. He was like high first. I think I think he was like the twelfth pick in twenty seventeen. I think he was. I think it was a pick that uh, got traded to the Blazers because it it wasn't their own pick. It was it was from some trade that they made. Let me see if I can check. Yeah, it was Sacramento. He was picked tenth. It was Sacramento's pick, so I think Portland traded up to get him. Huh, I wonder who did Sacramento get? Does it say? Let me uh, go to the twenty seventeen draft page. It's crazy. That sounds like, huh? It was. That been? Oh, this this pick moved around a lot. Um, let's see. Uh, Sacramento Kings, the Blazers, Portland acquires Sacramento's first, number 10. Sacramento gets Portland's first-round picks, 15 and 20. Um, But how did Portland get two picks? They must have given up someone. Uh, Ooh, it already doesn't sound like a good deal for them, no matter what they did. Yeah, and then the Kings picked Justin Jackson and Harry Jones. Oh, he sucks too. They're not even on the team anymore. Yeah, that's that's just bad all around. That's what's funny about this restricted free agency class. I just don't think this class was really that good at all. Um, Like this stretch of years, it seems kind of top heavy. Or the guys that succeeded were the guys that weren't really first round picks you know and like we're on shorter deals and they've already resigned for longer so yeah it's uh yeah it's really the 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 mid guys in the first round mitchell and adebayo i mean they've, yeah they've both been all stars and then tatum they've already resigned i mean Ainge looked looks like a genius for what he did with tatum doing yeah trading the number one pick that that's probably the last great move that he did i mean it was a great move so hats mm-hmm. off to him you know yeah that's one of the best trades like ever value wise <laughs> i mean if you think about it to to have the balls to trade out of the number one spot and to get a guy who's like pretty transcendent and like moons better than markel fultz 
it's kind of amazing how that worked out. I mean, and it's funny that it was the Sixers too. Of course, yeah. Oh God, their Sixers are hitting themselves over that one. Yeah, imagine their team. They 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 could have had a really stacked team if they just you know every team I guess can say this hypothetically, but they had a chance at a lot of people when they were you know rebuilding through the process. They could have easily had Giannis and just, you know, sat him and kept tanking and just keep building up those picks, but they picked Jaleel Okafor, even though they already had Embiid, or I forget which order that went. I think Okafor was after Embiid. Yeah, Embiid was 2014, and it, and then they picked Okafor, but it was funny because Okafor played before Embiid because Embiid sat out for two years. Yeah, Basically. yeah. so they could have just stuck with the, you know, if they just drafted all these projects like Giannis and, you know, obviously Embiid and, you know, just stuck at three and didn't want Fultz and, you know, they can draft Tatum, they would have a really stacked team. But, you know, it never works out like that. There's a lot of teams, a lot of what-ifs. So many. Yeah, it's kind of sad. This is the, uh, this is kind of what the process ended up giving them but you know it's not a finished product yet they could always trade simmons and get a bunch of people if they want to go that route they almost did but yeah i think they should it's, it's looking like that might be where it has to go hopefully Embiid can stay healthy we'll move on to our next team um los angeles lakers they have this guy um i'm sure you heard of him Taylor horton tucker i mean if we're going by how much the uh, Lakers fans value him? I don't. Know. I think like a, a fair contract would be, like what, forty, fifty million a year, probably. You know, max. Yeah, I, I wrote down twelve to sixteen million a year, <laughs> but it, which is funny because like I think he's really good. Yeah, like his stats aren't good at all, but every time I watch their games, he's he seems pretty good, and he's young. He's only twenty years old. He is. Uh, he that, can't even drink yet. <laughs> and that was a joke earlier. Forty, fifty million a year. Because yeah, I was, I was, uh, I was wondering. <laughs> I thought, I, I thought you meant to say fourteen, yeah, fifteen yeah. million. So I, I just kind of like brushed this. I was like, he didn't just say forty, fifty. But then I also, my stupid brain was no, processing no, like, no. oh, maybe he just meant forty, fifty million, like total, which is no, like yeah, around definitely. what I was saying. No, I should have made so it more it, obvious. It, <laughs> yeah, that was that was a that was a good one, but it was very veiled in like kind of being realistic I, uh, just a realistic mess up but yeah i i agree that lakers fans definitely overrate him oh my god so much um but he's he he is pretty good and um they're not gonna keep him I, I mean maybe they will he just doesn't like seem really like a fit for them i read a story that he is probably gonna go to chicago the bulls are really interested he's from there and um they think he could be a good match with Levine, especially for, you know, the money he would probably make, which wouldn't be that much. They'll probably just try to make it hard enough for the Lakers to match. Yeah, the, the Lakers are going to have a lot of tough decisions to make this offseason. I mean, uh, although I'm sure LeBron still likes him, it, it looked like he couldn't really stay on the floor um, during this first-round series against the Suns. He... Uh, but barely scratched 20 minutes a game. I don't even know if he played that much. That's a big problem. Yeah. Yeah, I could. Like, he... Yeah, I guess... Uh, it's, that's kind of just a potential swing where 
he's 20 and like he's shown something and you kind of just take a chance on him but he definitely hasn't produced anything worth you know more than a mid-level contract yeah so that's all just potential and who actually believes in him being good yeah i saw him play this year i I don't think i told you this i i I saw my first game since the pandemic. It was um, I was in Los Angeles a few weeks ago. I went to a, a Rockets Lakers game. It was oh boy, it was pretty awful. LeBron didn't play. AD didn't play. Uh, everyone was injured on the Rockets. I took a a picture of uh, the Rockets lineup that was on the floor. It was like Kyrie Thomas. Uh, uh, Kenyon Martin Jr., uh, Am- <laughs> Amari Brooks, and <laughs> oh my God, like, Kevin oh, Porter probably. Yeah, it's like oh, look at all these superstars that are out there. Like it was, it was literally a G League team. Jay Sean Tate. Yep, Jay Sean Tate. He definitely played in that game. So, yeah, the was, team sucks. It was so bad. It was, it was like a glorified. G League team, but Kelly Olynyk was there. I saw him play. That was funny. <laughs> hey, it's funny, but he was good for them. I know it's just stat padding for a bad team, and he just had all the opportunity. And obviously, he's pretty good. He's good enough to take advantage of that. But he was good. I don't know. I think he might. He might have earned like a little more of a role on a team. I think so. Yeah, I thought he was. A bit overpaid with the last contract. He was getting like uh, thirteen million a year, but uh, maybe, maybe deserves like ten or something like that. I'm sure some other team's gonna sign him this off season. Maybe we'll bring him back, but I don't think we're gonna. Oh, I hope so. Him. Yeah. No. <laughs> that that I think that's like a hard trade partner too because they're probably just trying to unload Wall. Oh yeah, and probably right. aren't look. They're probably not looking to do much else, unless it involves unloading Wall. Which stay tuned, I have uh, I something can't. for you on that later. But um, yeah, I don't. It's funny how contracts work. Where like he got paid so much, and it seemed like such an overpay. But then as like the years go by, the the value on it like become that gets better over time. Somehow it like ages well because of how much more people get paid every single year and there's bad contracts every year. So, you know, the closer he gets to the end of his deal, the better value he has, which is like so backwards, but like one year of Kelly O for his deal. Is this Olenek? Oh, okay, yeah. Oh yeah, sorry, I should have clarified that. Yeah, Wall no, Wall is that's I mean, the team who has him is just dead. You have no chance. He, when he's not going to play, and he went like three years without basketball while making like fifty million, forty million a year, just not good. Even if he was like an expiring, it's not good. Which is, you know, that's that's when you know it's bad. Yeah. Where you literally can't even do it for the one year because you have to give up too much. Yeah, it's so hard to match that salary. Like, put in, put in, you'd have to put like two like 20 million dollar contracts together just to even get there yeah yeah there's only a few guys in the league that you could really trade him for and ross was obviously one of them because they got traded for each other but like if the guys that get paid that much aren't usually like involved in trades unless they're a disaster so you know there's nothing good that's going to come out of that 
Yeah, that, that was one of the, the big problems with uh, the way they, they did the max contracts. Um, when they redid the CBA, I think it was back in like 2016 when they redid it. But yeah, it, it forced the smaller market teams to uh, really have to overpay their guys um, if they want to keep them. And that's clearly what happened with John Wall. But I mean, sometimes. Yeah, it and it's too top out. heavy. Yeah, way way too top heavy. We saw it happen with Russ and OKC. I mean, Portland's doing the same thing with Lillard. It's just that Lillard, you know, actually lived up to it. So, you know, it can it can go south pretty quickly, unless the players. Yeah, really yeah. But you're kind of like gridlocked. Once you have a guy like that, you there's not a lot of wiggle room to like make moves. Exactly. Yeah, and Wall. I think they offered him that deal right after the 2017 playoffs against the Celtics, and Wall did play really well. So it was. Yeah, he jumped on the scorers' table and then <laughs> lost the next game. He had that game six right before the Kelly game. The Kelly game. Yeah, gotta love the Kelly game. You gotta love how they're on the same team now too. I wonder if they ever oh, talk God, about that. I didn't how even think about that? Yeah. How literally the two guys we were talking about are the two guys who were like the big stories of that series other than Beal was excellent I remember but I mean Kelly O was a superstar in that game he was he couldn't be stopped fourth quarter Kelly he was unstoppable oh my god I was going nuts watching that good memories (laughs) that earned him that 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 realistically earned him like 40 million dollars yep yep if you think like he his his contract would not be even close to what it was without that game so 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 good. Yeah, the Heat were like, "Here you go, here's some money." Um, all right, so we are on the Celtics now. Um, we actually don't have any restricted free agents this off season. I thought Semi Ojale might have been restricted, but he's actually not since he uh, got four years on. His uh, second round contract deal, so he's actually unrestricted. But um, I mean, since it's the Celtics, we'll make an exception. Uh, what what do you, what kind of contract do you think Robert Williams might get? He's not a restricted free agent this off season, but he will be in twenty twenty two. But this this is a tricky one because he could get extended this summer, like the way Tatum did last summer. Um, but, you know, he hasn't really been on the court enough, in my opinion, to really offer him something substantial. What do you think? I think you extend him because worst case scenario, which would be a nightmare, is he has an unbelievable year, but he gets hurt near the end. And he's a restricted free agent, so you know a team is offering him you know, close to 100 mil probably for how talented he is. I think he's one of the most talented centers in the league. And, you know, teams aren't going to really, well, maybe they will, but I don't think they would take the injury risk into account for a talent like him. But the Celtics, I think, would have to because of all the big deals they already have and they need that flexibility. So I'm afraid of that choice they have to make if he has a great year but also still has his injury issues and they you know i wouldn't even know what i'd want them to do so i hope 
they just kind of extend him out and play it out. And, you know, if he plays through the entire year and has a great year, I think you give him a big deal, which I think would, for him, probably be close to $100 million. Wow, so 25 a year? Yeah, I think or, I think he's or over five hundred over five years. I think it would be in line with like I think it would be a four year deal, which I don't know like what the exact year to totals. I know there's like thresholds and whatever that, um, but I'm pretty sure like four years, ninety eight million is what like I would guess. Wow. So what's that? about 20 20 20 odd million yeah yeah that's like 20 around like 23 five maybe i suck at math i don't don't know it's yeah it's probably 23 but i'm guessing it would like escalate so it'd probably start at like 21 then end at like 26 right is like i think how those usually work so i'm not really sure like the the minute details of that but I, i think it would be ballpark 100 and i think it would probably be four years yeah, I mean, if if that's what the Celtics think that he could earn next off season, they should definitely extend him now. Wow. Yeah. While they can, and hope that he will sign like for like between ten to fifteen million a year. That would if he could if he gets like a Marcus Smart contract, like the extension he got, where he gets like thirteen million a year. That yep. would that would be huge. Yeah, just get him long term on one of those. Yeah, if you could keep him at like seventy five mil or below, but also have it be like you know four years, I think that would be ideal. Yeah, yeah. I guess it all depends um, what his agent is instructing him to do. Uh, I mean, hopefully he's not a clutch client. <laughs> oh God, yeah. I don't, I don't think so. No. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, hopefully not. Well, hopefully we can extend them. But um, I guess thinking of that, uh, I guess clutch clients don't completely hate the Celtics since Tristan Thompson's a clutch client. He's yeah, we had Marcus Morris too. Oh, that's right, Morris. Yeah, him and um, yeah, I, I don't think it's. I don't think that relationship is as bad as it seems i just don't think davis wanted to play in boston yeah no. i don't think it's i don't think it's like a clutch is against the celtics type thing and maybe just for their high level guys there they don't want anyone to kind of rival lebron on a team like the celtics but for you know the the mid-level guys they have i don't think they would hold the hold that against the celtics for whatever reason right i think that that whole davis thing was just like to really make sure the Celtics weren't going to trade for him and call their bluff, whatever. And yeah, you know, they just wanted him more on the Lakers than like not on the Celtics. Exactly. I guess is the right way to say it. Yeah. They, um, I, I thought that trade was going to happen during the season. So that was the 2018, 19 season. I thought that was, uh, Davis's last year on the Pelicans. I thought for sure he was going to end up going to the Lakers, but I mean, eventually it happened, just not till the off season. Yeah, yeah, that was terrible. Yeah, but the, I mean, the way that was handled by him, I know he has the right to kind of do what he wants, but I feel like it's getting dangerous in the league where 
guys need to be more professional about it and kind of play just like not play ball like that that is like a bad way to say it but i just mean like play ball in like that figurative sense like just like deal with the team in a better way where it's like just play out you sign the contract just play it out wait till the last year try to you know don't try to fuck over the team just i don't know there, there i feel like there's other ways to go about it and like we saw it with Harden. You see it. You see it a lot more nowadays with the player empowerment movement stuff. But I don't know. I think it just makes it impossible for teams to keep players happy. Yeah, it's it. It could get dangerous. I think it was borderline dangerous with Harden doing all that yeah. stuff and being under. It wasn't like he had only one year left on his deal. He was like multiple years left, and you know, it, it's really shown that. These uh, these players can really swing things their way. I mean, on one hand, you want them to be able to do that, but you know, going to strip clubs and whatnot—that's uh, you know, going a little too far, I'd say. Yeah, and just not showing up and showing up overweight. It's yeah. I don't, like just purposely fucking them over and ruining any value that you have in a trade because you know the league sees that and they're like, oh yeah, like we know we can lowball the shit out of you. I, I just don't understand why it, it can't be maybe the the front offices are just stubborn, but I don't know why it can't be worked out more behind closed doors. Yeah. Instead of like a public display where a team can actually like get value for you. I know the Pelicans actually got pretty good value for Davis still. They but did. for how good he is, not as much as they should have. They did. I actually. I wonder if they have the Lakers' first round pick this year because it's probably solid. It's in the top. 20 because they finished yeah. seventh well yeah yeah it's true yeah nice extra pick first yeah. round exit it's a good point yeah but um and like Harden, i mean the rockets are just ruined forever not forever but like they're just ruined for at least five years yeah because they didn't even get a solid prospect in no they got any of the literally trip. nothing i don't think they got anything for him really no. right it was uh victor oladipo really and he's already shipped out and I don't think yeah, they, and they yeah, got, they got Kelly. Olenek. They shipped out Karis Levert too, I think. Right? Didn't they get Karis Levert and they just moved him um, for Oladipo? Yeah, yeah, they shipped him to Indiana. Yeah, yeah, so there was a weird three-way deal going on there with the Pacers, but um, yeah, that was pretty bad. And I think it's just going to get worse if guys know that they can just do that and not be penalized. I think you should be suspended without pay. I've I've heard that a couple times on like in the radio and stuff, but I, if you do that kind of thing, then you shouldn't be paid. Yeah, but I think the way they do it is like agents have so much power now. Like you got them in the front offices here. Like, oh, if you suspend my client, you know, I'm gonna yeah, make exactly. Sure. It's it's you know, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. There's too many. Yeah, it's too cutthroat in that way where the i think it's the players have a dangerous amount of power and i don't want to sound you know that sounds like so anti-player and just not really you know i sound like a complete douche this podcast but i don't know i think it's bad for the league it's still an entertainment product and i think the players should take that a little more seriously and you know they get paid a lot of money to be at a place that really wanted them i think they should you know be a little more selfless when it comes to that kind of thing 
Yeah, I think the answer is somewhere more in the middle. I'm trying to think of a player yep. who, who did it the right way. Uh, I don't know, actually. Nothing really comes yeah, I feel like, Yeah, I, I just feel like it always used to be handled differently. Like, even KG, I guess, for the T-Wolves is a good example. Yeah, yeah, it should be like KG. Like, he, he, played out, he played out his deal. He played pretty much as far as he could, and eventually there was just really no return. He couldn't play there anymore and they had to move him and they got you know it it turned out to be a really bad deal but at the time you know it was a pretty good deal and i think it should just be more i don't know i think the teams should have a little like they they need to fix something where the teams should have a little more power and being able to have cap wiggle room if a guy like harden makes that if he starts doing that they shouldn't have to pay him or you know there should be trade exceptions for guys that publicly demand a trade i don't know there's there's a lot of like weird things that can be added but it's just because i feel like guys just sign big deals and then they get unhappy within a year and then that team is kind of fucked because that player will publicly demand a trade they'll get lowballed they get rid of the guy you know and they gave up a lot to get him so it's just it's just kind of a mess yeah it's it's something that I think could possibly get worse, even worse and Harden. Hopefully not. Hopefully that's not going to happen anytime soon. I guess it all depends on like the player, personality, whatnot. But I mean, we'll see. And hopefully, like uh, you know, people will want to deal with the Celtics more than Danny Ainge is is out. Because it sounded like so. One of my theories on. I mean, obviously, Ainge was—he he didn't make the best moves in the past couple of years, so there was that. He had um, another heart attack, actually, back in uh, 2019. Thank you, Kyrie. You almost killed our GM. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Fuck that guy. Um, but th- there was that. So I think I, I heard— uh, Jackie McMullen was on Bill Simmons' podcast. She was saying that, like, after the second heart attack, because he had the first heart attack in '09, I think, during the year that KG got injured. Um, but a- after the second one, his family was in the hospital, like, begging him to retire. And yeah, I know. think that plan was in place for a while for him to kind of step away. Yeah, and not only for the health concerns, but I think he kind of did damage the product. A little bit for the Celtics, I mean, like the Celtics product. I don't think a lot of people wanted to deal with him anymore. Mm-hmm. And players weren't happy playing from as much because it's clear to them that they're expendable. Right. The, and the I think he just kind of, he's been here for a long time. I think he just kind of, you know, war is welcome. And his shtick doesn't really play with how the NBA works now. Yeah, I, I think teams were just afraid to deal with them because you know his track record of winning trades not wanting to get embarrassed or anything like that um and it, yeah it didn't really pull off any big trades in, in the past couple of years the biggest one was fournier getting him at the deadline which will be his last deal interesting yeah enough yeah it's i know it's funny Did getting rid of yeah and it, it's it was kind of telling after that disaster season 2019 or 2018, I should say. I always get it confused in the NBA because the, the years overlap. Right. But um, the last Kyrie year, 
yeah. when we could have maximized more Sir Rozier or, you know, we could have really cleaned up that roster, but he was afraid of losing the trade, I think. Too much so where, like, he wouldn't accept, you know, addition by subtraction. Yeah. And we ended up just losing all of those guys for nothing. I mean, we lost Rozier, we lost Horford, we lost Morris, we lost Hayward, we lost Kyrie. We lost literally all of them for nothing. The only thing we really got from it was Kemba, who I wish we would lose for nothing. <laughs> and th- there's really nothing that like he, he just didn't that that was just a bad job from two thousand nineteen to now. Yeah, he I guess he really gambled on things working out that last Kyrie season, but I mean you gotta give props to the Celtics staff or media, whatever. They're they do a good job of keeping things under wrap because mm-hmm. I didn't hear about any of this Danny Ainge stuff until like the news broke and then all the reporters, the Celtic beat writers are like, Oh yeah, I've been hearing this. It's like, well, why didn't you say anything? <laughs> I hate that. I hate that. That's like the Chris Forsberg's and like the Adam Himmel's box. They're like, Oh, I knew that. I just, I couldn't say anything. Like I was swore to secrecy. It's like, yeah. shut up, dude. Like you didn't know anything. It was yeah. probably like six people that knew that. Yeah. I mean, it was clearly a, a plan that was in place for a while. Cause I don't think you become a GM overnight. I'm guessing that, He's done a lot of prep. Stevens, I mean, has done a lot of prep for the last six months mm-hmm. to kind of be ready for this. And they probably still had to, like, you know, not try him out, but they had to make sure he could do it in, like, a certain, in a sense. They're not just going to, like, throw him into the fire right away. So right. it's definitely something that's probably even been going on longer than six months, probably like a year. Yeah. No, it, it, they've definitely, they've been planning this, it, it seems like. Um, but, um, Going back to that Kyrie season, I, I mean, I feel like there's still so much that happened that season that we don't know about. Like, we, mm-hmm. I mean, we, we saw some, we heard some of it, especially with Kyrie uh, talking to Stevens, asking him what government means to him. <laughs> I think that's like, that's like one of the biggest, uh, uh, the biggest tea that was spilled to us. Um, but I, I still think there was a lot more, and they just kept on the wraps. But I, I feel yep. like midway through the season that year, you should have been able to tell that this this team, that chemistry just was not there. The locker room was, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't fix it. You probably should have, you know, traded. Yeah, addition by subtraction. Yeah. He was exactly. stubborn. He- yeah. He didn't want to lose Rozier Morris for less than what they're worth, which mm-hmm. it still would have been better than losing them for nothing, which I think was his biggest mistake. Yeah. And I think the, the Kemba signing was just, I, th- I think that was kind of, you know, the last, not last straw, obviously. he's he's It's not like he was fired because of that, but it's just like he's lost his touch. Like that was, that was just a panic signing because we lost Kyrie. Mm-hmm. They could have they could have allocated that money a lot better. They they had a real good chance to still be really flexible if they just didn't splurge on that deal. I know it was a sign and trade, so it was like end up working out different than just like a regular free agent signing. But I don't know. I feel like because I know that Rozier. I, yeah, like like you said though, like I would love to read the book on that season I know, and what actually happened, like in book. detail, because there. There could be way more to it than we know. Like, it's simple to say, like, yeah, I wish they kept Rozier. But 
who knows maybe he was like an asshole and they want they wanted to get rid of him but if they did then why did they trade him so it was just kind of weird like it must have just all imploded after the trade deadline and at that point there was really no return but i just don't understand if you know you're losing Kyrie, why not try to sign rosier unless you don't like him or don't believe in him but he would have been 10 million less than kemba you would have had space for other guys i don't know it's it was just completely mishandled yeah and to not have the foresight to know that kemba was a bad fit with tatum and brown was a mistake well he he you know the injury history was definitely there i mean the hornets really didn't offer him a substantial contract that should have been a yeah that should be a red flag yeah yeah it's like with horford with us Mm-hmm. It's like I, I can't believe the Sixers didn't weren't like skeptical why we didn't just re-sign Horford. I know mm-hmm. we tried to, and he was sick of it here. I'm guessing, but it goes back to what we were saying. Like it's hard to make these assumptions when you have absolutely no idea what happened that year. Because you know, I really liked Horford, but you know, maybe he did hate it here and was just playing out his contract and wanted to get out of here right away. So maybe it's not as much on Danny as like we make it out to be, but. Either way, it was mishandled, and I'm glad that he spent 20 years here, but I'm also glad he's gone. Yeah, no, he's he's definitely was a great GM for us. Got us, got us that championship. Oh wait, one of the greatest trades of all time, or trades back to back: the Ray Allen, KG. Good memory. Yeah, that alone makes it worth it. Even if we went 0 and 82 for every other season. Just that one season made it totally worth it. I know. Yeah, thank God we got one in our lifetime. So we have we have. Yeah, we that. should have realistically had three. I mean, oh nine. If KG doesn't get hurt, they were better than yeah. they were in oh eight. Mm-hmm. And two thousand ten, they still should have. That was that was garbage ass series. They should have easily won. Yeah, that w- that was rough. No perk. In game seven, playing Rashid Wallace nearly the whole game, like 35-year-old Rashid Wallace the whole game. Mm-hmm. Ron Artest, of course, oh, starts making shots. Oh, God. Yep. Yeah. Those are, those are rough. Yeah, players. that was bad. I think Kobe had, like, only, like, eight, like, he might have had, like, single-digit points in that game, or probably more than that, but I remember he had, like, 17 or 18 rebounds in that game. It was just a weird game seven. It was so bizarre. Yeah, that w- that was not a good game for Kobe. I, I think Gasol played really well. It was really Gasol. Got he was great. Yeah, Gasol was so good. He was. He he really doesn't get enough credit for those titles. Yeah. I mean, rest in peace, Kobe. Like, but he gets way way more credit for those title teams than he should because they were terrible before those teams and they were terrible after. They they should definitely retire Gasol's number if they had mm-hmm. plans. Yeah, he was ready. he was the best player in that series on both teams. Mm-hmm. It was a huge pickup for them when they traded his brother for him. And now yeah, that I, I can't believe that was a real thing. Yeah, that's crazy. And now his brother's on the Lakers. Go figure. Um, yeah, not for long. I think he I think he's signing in Barcelona. Oh yeah, yeah, that would make sense, especially after the way this season went. He didn't seem too happy. Although <laughs> he probably he, just yeah, he probably just wants to play. Yeah, he got like just be good again. Yeah, he got some playoff minutes, but it, towards the end of the season, like 
I was hoping they would put Gasol in uh, the game I went to because I've never seen him play in person, and he he was healthy, and the Lakers didn't have that many active players, so he he was like just chilling in back, like he wasn't even in like the front row two seats. He was in like another row <laughs> behind them, just talking to an assistant coach the whole time. It, it he wasn't even like really interacting with his teammates, so. I was like, oh, boy. That doesn't seem like a team. It just seems like a collection of basketball players. Pretty much. Pretty much. And like it's it's so weird how they've operated the last couple of years. Yeah. I, I guess they just kind of go through the motions, listen to LeBron, whatever he does. Um, oh, who who do you think the Celtics might? I I mean, I'm, I'm still kind of shocked that Stevens isn't the coach anymore. Um that that's just going to be weird and i also think maybe some someday down the line he might kind of just be like okay i feel like coaching again and people will be like all right go ahead but yeah um, i think that door is still open yeah eventually i would be surprised if he did that i think like the as weird as it sounds i think the natural progression will be like he'll do this job until like you know eventually he'll get fired i mean everyone literally everyone does Mm -hmm. but I think the next move for him will probably be go back to college. Yeah. And be a head coach again. I'm guessing. I mean, I could be wrong, but it doesn't seem like he enjoys, especially like lately, enjoys coaching in the NBA. No. I'm, I'm sure. And I know coaching college is worse now with like how much of a mess the NCAA is. So I'm sure that he wouldn't, you know, be happier doing that than being a GM. I think the GM job is perfect for him. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it sounded like he was super burned out from mm-hmm. uh, the bubble and this past season. It was, you know, a roller coaster of a season. But even before that, I'm sure, I, I I'm sure Kyrie, you know, drove him nuts, and you know, he's never yeah, come I can't out, even imagine come out and say that. Um, but yeah, there's reports that Kyrie and him just never got along. So. I'm sure that added a couple years onto his life. Um, yeah, real, real surprise that Kyrie didn't get along with someone. He seemed, he seems like a really fun guy to hang out with. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Pretty surprising that a lot of players seem to like him a lot. I don't know. I don't understand it. I, don't I can't stand listening to him talk, even when he was here, and I wanted to like him. It just everything out of his mouth. I just want to punch him directly in the face. I know, I know, and I I love the fact that, uh, you know, Jalen Brown, who I'm pretty sure is a lot smarter than Kyrie, uh, wasn't wasn't having it, and they never got along, from what I hear. Yeah, he was probably just sick of, like, the third eye, like, bullshit, like, all the, all the weirds, the earth is flat, and, you know, follow us, we're winning this championship for the world, Uh, like, everything he says is just fucking stupid like so stupid but he's a really gifted player so it like it it's it must be brutal for you know teams to have to deal with that but it seems like this is the perfect situation for him um with nash who's like a nice guy i'm sure he's just kind of like he's just like a talking head at this point though i don't think he really does any coaching and um just like a team that doesn't really have a fan base, like you live there, like it's it. It's, they don't have a fan base, right? They love the the Knicks, man. I mean, I yeah. I've actually heard of like people going to these like playoff games. Like my coworker, NBA fan, he's, he's 
I mean, he's a bandwagon. He's a Lakers fan. Um, but um, <coughs> but he went to the game yesterday, and I was like, he never he never goes to Nets games. He, I couldn't get him to go to a Nets game like two years ago, and I think uh, people are kind of jumping on the the bandwagon now that you know the Nets. Are, yeah, it's bandwagon like, fans. Exactly. Yeah, people are very loyal to the Knicks. I will say that. I I give I give Knicks fans credit for that. They even when they suck, they uh, they stick by them. And <laughs> I think the Nets were expecting um, like more people to kind of you know convert over when they got KD and Kyrie, and it just it didn't really happen. No, but and I think you could tell by like. Doesn't the ownership keep changing? I'm pretty sure it's like people think since it's a big city team that it's a great investment. And I'm sure it is. I'm sure they still make a lot of money, but it just doesn't seem worth it. It, Because if you're the second tier, it's like the Clippers. If you're the second tier team in a town, like you, you you have a, like a ceiling of how like popular you can get. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're always in. You know the bigger team shadow, like Clippers are in the Lakers shadow, and you know it's crazy. It 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 shows like how powerful the Knicks fan base is. Like they are like such a a mess. Well, I mean this year they they really rebounded nice, but I mean the past decade just a disaster. And uh, bad they, owner. Ter- yeah, they. Oh my God, they're gonna throw a parade when whenever he's gone. Real quick before yeah, yeah, we get yeah. into the movies, uh-huh. I want to ask you about a couple trades. Oh right, right. We didn't do the trades. Yeah, where are the the Kemba trades? I just wanna I just wanna see which one you'd prefer. So I have a couple trades lined up that are successful in the trade machine. So contract wise, they work, and that includes the the player exception stuff. Okay. Us unloading Kemba. In taking back the last year of Steve Adams, so it's one year, twenty nine million, and then we get Delon Wright from the Kings. Buddy Hield goes to the Pelicans, and then the Kings get Bledsoe, packaged with Ball and Josh Hart. Hmm. I guess that's not that good of one because they're really guard heavy in Sacramento, but you know, I don't think Buddy Hield really works for them, and I could see them wanting a California kid like Lonzo to pair with. You know, Fox, if they still hold on to him, and uh, Tyrese Halliburton, who's really good too. Yeah. But that's just kind of guard heavy, so I don't like that one as much. Yeah. Um, the the two that I that are really simple, because I guess these three team ones are really hard to do with this still being behind. But Kemba for Horford. Yeah, yeah, I've heard is that weird. Yeah, it's weird, but it works. Um, I would actually like be weirdly down for that. Yeah. Uh, and then I want to run by this uh, Rockets and Clippers through it by you. I guarantee you this one doesn't work because I'm sure that eh, I might looking at the contract. So the Celtics get Kelly O, Dante Axum, and Luke Kennard. The Clippers take on John Wall, and the Rockets get Kemba. Marcus Morris, Pat Bev, and Zubach. Um, I know Kelly Olynyk and Exum are free agents this offseason. Yep. So I think. Yep. So that kills that. Yeah. Unless you can do the sign and trade, I'm not sure that. Yeah, there's got it. There's no way you could do like a three way with that. Yeah. I was thinking about the the Rockets though, and 
actually I was thinking about um like dumping Tristan Thompson to the Rockets for um DJ Augustine if uh the Celtics were trying to save like a few million dollars from the cap or whatever, you know, give Robert Williams a starting job. Um but Kemba trades uh Oh, I um I was thinking uh well the thing is I don't know if they are completely just done with Kemba yet. Like I don't think they want to like give up any picks to get off of his money. I think they would rather just let the contract play out. But um Ugh you know That's terrifying. No, two two more years. It's just yeah, it's just two wasted years. I know. Um I was looking at the magic they have uh you know, Gary Harris's expiring contract if you wanted to get off of that. It's just hard to like find anything enticing where the Celtics can get anything back in value. All right. So uh yeah I I think you're like one of the only you're definitely the only person I know who could talk like this in depth about the NBA and then switch right over to movies like obscure <laughs> horror movies so yeah we basically have the same interests yeah that's, that's pretty awesome in uh, one respect so uh movie this week that I'm doing is alone in the dark it's not the shitty 05 uh Christian Slater, um, ooh, ooh ball movie. It's uh, from 1982. It uh, was actually the first New Line Cinema movie, believe it or not. It, this came out before Nightmare on Elm Street, and uh, yeah, it's got uh, some a good cast of old guys in it. You got Jack Palance, you got the great Donald Pleasance, and. Uh, Martin Landau, who uh, just passed away a few years ago. Great actor. Oscar-winning actor from Ed Wood. And uh, it, it, you don't really expect to see Palance and Lando in a horror movie like this, like a slasher movie like this, but um, I thought it had some cool moments. Um, pretty pretty trippy movie in, in some ways. Um, you just watched it today, right? Yeah. I watched it, you know, it, it was it was on in the background at first, but I got pretty into it. I thought it was pretty interesting. I couldn't believe when I saw, you know, Jack Pounce and Donald Pleasance and Martin Landau. Like, it just, it seemed so bizarre for just, like, an 80s slasher flick. It's like you wouldn't see those guys in, like, a sleepaway camp or, like, something like that. So it's just so, so weird that they're in this. But I guess Donald Pleasance did a lot of these. Yeah, he was in like in the post Halloween run. Yeah, he, he did a lot of he did a lot of like low budget horror movies and made a lot of money doing that. Um, so it makes more sense for him. But I read a funny story about Jack Palance when I was reading about Robert Shea after I watched this, and apparently he just didn't want to film at night, and oh, the whole yeah. movie takes place at night. <laughs> oh, and he was a he was like a big diva on set, and he said he's he's in his trailer. He's like, yeah, I don't really want to work at night. Like I just want to work during the day. And they were like. They were like, Jack, the movie's called Alone in the Dark. It's about it's about a group of like psychiatric patients who escape a hospital and like terrorize a family. Like did you think that this was just gonna be like a date like a TV show day job? 
like so i thought that was just the funniest thing ever just picturing robert shea having to go into jack palance's trailer and try to convince him to work oh god what a disaster that must have been yeah because he's not really in too much of the movie <laughs> like outside at night um the only scene i can really think of so basically the plot is uh there's this new doctor at this mental institution um and the the mental institution it has a really bad security system let's say that uh because everything runs uh by electricity so um the concept <laughs> is the the power goes out in like the whole town uh meaning all the mental patients can escape and uh yeah, they basically <laughs> they hate this new doctor and they want to go after him and kill him um it wasn't what I was expecting when the movie was starting, but you know, once uh, you get like Martin Landau and jo- Jack Palance, and then there was another guy. This guy showed up in Fatty. Yeah, Fatty. He showed up in uh, <laughs> some other movies. He, what an interesting character he is. He was in uh, The Running Man and Stir Crazy as well. Yep. Um, but it's like this. It, this it's a quartet, I guess, because there's a fourth guy, and that that's a whole nother twist. Um, and it's just like, oh, I wasn't. Yeah, expect- that twist that twist caught me off guard. Yeah, definitely, definitely a good twist at the end there. I'll give them credit for that. Um, but um, yeah, there, there's just there's a lot of random stuff going on in this movie. I think they they probably should have ri- written like a, a few more drafts, but. You know, whatever. How about the um, the looting scene? That that seemed a little over the top. Like I know the pa- <laughs> I know the power went out, but geez, it looks like the apocalypse in that uh, shopping yeah, center. Was, there. Yeah, there was a lot of weird stuff going on like that. Where it's like, wait a second, that I don't think that like there would be a backup system in place for people like that to not be able to escape to the general public. I just couldn't get enough of Fatty. Thought yeah, he was great. Kids were annoying. Rough. The kid, that the that, kids I wasn't a big fan of. That girl was actually the original. Um, I, I guess her name's Carol Seaver, but she was like the original, like younger sister in the Growing Pains in the pilot, and then they recasted her. So. Uh, oh God! Yeah, yeah, I could see why. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. She. Uh, He's an interesting one, and then the there was the babysitter there, and uh, I guess uh, the boyfriend of the babysitter, Matthew Broderick, apparently uh, auditioned for it, and uh, the director thought he was too good of an actor. <laughs> <laughs> what did he say to Martin Landau, like one of the right? best actors of all time? I know, like you get an Oscar, you get someone from uh, North by Northwest. Jeez, um, right? It's like a, another another good actor wouldn't hurt, right? Yeah, it's very that 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 blows me away. Too like too talented? What? Yeah, I know. who who says that about anyone ever? Yeah, you almost wonder if it's made up. Like there's got to be. They were just given like Matthew Broderick a compliment like years later. Like, oh, we didn't hire him because he was too talented. Yeah, like I'm sure the maybe that the director was buddies with him or something and like said in jest like when uh he's like yeah we offered it to him but like realized he was too good for it when in reality he probably just like turned it down 
Yeah. Uh, the director, he also did Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. Jack yeah, that's Shore. a good one. Yeah. That that Big. that's a guilty pleasure of mine. There's there's actually some funny scenes in that one with Yeah. With Jesse. Yeah. That whole series is so great. The 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 third one though is the best. Dream Warriors. Oh, this this is actually pretty funny. I I just like um bid on um the Nightmare on Elm Street series on Blu ray on eBay. But like I do this sometimes, like I'll I'll bid on like multiple like listings, like thinking like I'm not gonna win both of them, but of course I end up winning. So both of them came in the mail today. <laughs> so now I now I have two uh, Blu-ray sets of uh, Nightmare on Elm Street series. But yeah, can't get enough of that. No. We we definitely have to do a full deep dive podcast on every single one of those because I love those movies. They're so good. This is so Robert Shea, who uh, you know basically starred New Line Cinema, and uh, you know it, they say it's the house that Freddie built because the first Nightmare on Elm Street was so popular. Uh, he mm-hmm. wrote he wrote this movie, and um, yeah, he probably should have done a couple more rewrites. But hey, you know it worked out <laughs> for Robert Shea in the end. I'm sure he's still alive, he did all right, right. He did all, yeah, he's still alive. Yeah. I think he and I think he's worth like four hundred like gotta be worth at least four hundred million now, probably. Oh yeah. I mean maybe maybe not that much, but I'm pretty sure he sold before they sold it to um Warners, I think they sold it before that. And I think he made like I think it was in like the early nineties. I think he sold it and made like a hundred mil. Holy cow, yeah. Wow, that's that's big money. And then that was I think that was pre Lord of the Rings too. Yeah, so. yeah, ninety four. Yeah, that's right. That was that was like the first time they sold it, and then eventually Warner took it over, and then they made uh, yeah, and he got ousted. Yeah, and then they made uh, some some movie that they did in like oh six. It was like some fantasy film. Like they they were trying to make it like the next Lord of the Rings. Yeah, uh, Golden Compass. Go- yes, Golden Compass. It, it yeah, just, it bombed it basically. <laughs> Yeah, studio. it killed them. Because yeah. it's an independent studio. It still was at the time. Yep. Which is crazy to think that Lord of the Rings was produced by an independent studio. Yeah, that's right. But they just had so much money that they had that wiggle room. Yep, that. But we talked about this in the Seven podcast, that the New Line Cinema for that run was probably the best independent studio, in my opinion, even ahead of like Miramax and all the others. I, I love New Line Cinema movies. Yeah, they made so many great movies. They did all the Final Destination movies. They did Dumb yep. and Dumber. Uh, yeah, they Seven, did, which yeah, you talked about. Nightmare, all the Nightmare on Elm Streets, all yep. the Lord of the Rings. Yep. And then they had like a lot of like good gems in like the late '90s, early 2000s. Boogie Nights. Yep, Boogie Nights. They did that one. Yeah, they took a lot of swings on like young, talented directors that didn't have a lot of experience, like Fincher and Anderson, and obviously Wes Craven, who was a little more um no well known at the time but well known for the wrong reasons i don't think he was very liked publicly for his movies i mean last house on the left i can't if you watch that again i can't even believe that was released 
Oh God, yeah, that um, was rough. I I remember watching that in high school and just being like, oh my God, this is a little too much. What like what is that? Like I can't believe that was a real thing. It's just a different time where the horror was different back then. It was like, like now that would just never come out ever. Yeah, but it's like borderline snuff. Yeah, like, yeah, it's, it's like really bad. close to it. Yeah, really, yeah. really close to snuff. Yeah, especially at the beginning. But yeah, this was. I'm glad you told me about this one because this is like the classic 80s cocaine fueled probably <laughs> horror like just sl- t- typical slasher movie they probably just had an idea like hey let's make these um these let's make these psychiatric patients who are murderers escape and terrorize the doctor who like they think wh- what did they think he like killed their old doctor yeah yeah that i didn't understand what, they, what their like reasoning was behind doing what they were doing yeah, <laughs> they just they didn't did. like him and they assumed that he killed the other doctor that left and he ended up just getting a different job yeah there's a lot of like things they just briefly mention and if you're not paying attention you don't catch it i had to go back and check on something because i i didn't i didn't catch that uh the doctor's sister in the movie ha- was having like uh, anxiety or hallucinations, and that's why there's you know a brief moment in the uh, the movie towards the end where she's walking towards a window and just a creature appears out of nowhere. I, gu- I guess it's in her head, um, and that doesn't really go anywhere. That's that's like kind of the last we hear of that. It's like, oh, the whole point of that plot line was for that one jump scare. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and like the beginning happened, like that first scene with Martin Landau, and it was like that crazy hallucination. And I was like, yeah. oh, this is like, this is like a really, is this going to be like a really cool, like dreamscapey type of like David Lynch-esque, like, uh, like cool thriller where it's like a lot going on in the mind. And then it just ended up being sleepaway camp slot like um or like friday the 13th or just like any of those like typical slasher movies it was like a very bizarre like um how it changed up yeah throughout it and there is there's definitely a lot like they it definitely must have been like a 300 page script where they had so many ideas and they just decided to like pick and choose which ones make the final cut yeah i guess originally they were gonna have it take place in new york city and um the the mafia was going to get involved with stopping the mental patients but <laughs> they they realized that would have cost too much so they they changed it to the suburbs and uh you know scaled it down a bunch got rid of the mafia idea that would been great if they had like Paul Sorvino as like <laughs> the mob boss yeah. trying to him trying to stop the the crazy mental patients oh yeah but By, By, Byron and Fatty yeah that Ah, man, they should have put some more money into the budget and made that. That would have been much better. I remember... And I... I'm sorry. Um, Sorry. No, you go. um, I remember first hearing about this movie, um, watching the special features, actually, of Jason X, because... (laughs) Um, They had, like, a little documentary in there talking about, like, the history of slasher movies, and, like, the way they talk about this movie was as if it was, like, some kind of, like, really important movie in, like, the slasher genre. They're, like, constantly, like, referencing it and, like, showing clips, and I was like, oh, I'd never really heard of this, but, oh, Donald Pleasance isn't it? All right, well, maybe I'll I'll keep that in mind someday, Um, but now, like... 
like researching this more and seeing that it was New Line Cinema's first movie, like it's clear that the only reason this was in that documentary was because, you know, New Line Cinema made Jason X and they're pretty much just promoting one of their older movies. Self promoting, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say that probably has Robert Shea written all over it yep. where yep. he, he he makes himself out to be like some kind of like slasher movie messiah. But I'm guessing it was like pretty important i mean this was after two years after friday the 13th yep which pretty like that would you say that was probably like one of the original like true summer slasher movies oh yeah and like having guys like donald pleasance and martin landau like especially after like a couple years after halloween um like with all those movies i think this probably legitimized the genre where it's like yeah, like these three big stars are gonna star in this like slasher movie that's gonna come out in. Well, I see it came out in November, but it just seems like a typical summer slasher movie to me. Yeah, and um, I don't know. So I I could see it being like influential for guys that are in into like the slasher specific genre, but it's weird to say how influential it was compared to like the real influential slasher movies like Halloween and Friday the Thirteenth and Sleepaway Camp and um fright uh nightmare on elm street i'd say it's it's pretty solid so i do like a rating system um i have like yep. four four different tiers i do one is garbage two is uh all right three is like i recommend it and four is like i'm buying the blu-ray like this is awesome um i would say I would give this like a three, so I call this the the Alice rating, named after Alice, Sweet Alice. By the way, have you seen that movie? It's yeah, that's about that's about the little girl that um, becomes like the serial killer, right? Yeah, yeah. It's one. It, I think it's Brooke Shields' first movie. Actually, yep. yeah. That that's I was gonna say I haven't I haven't seen that one in a long time, but I remember that one. Yeah, it's a creepy one. Like. So, like, I would recommend that one. And, you know, the slasher horror fans, I'd recommend checking this one out as well. Um, there are a lot of plot holes, no doubt, but um, there are some good moments, um, especially, uh, you know, after the first half hour when the power goes out, that's kind of like when the fun begins a little bit and plot starts moving along a little bit the ending i thought was a little anticlimactic um super super random ending i i think there's still enough to recommend it good acting performances or at least entertaining acting performances donald pleasance is pretty bizarre in this one but seems like he's just collecting a paycheck yeah oh like the part the part where like spoiler alert but the part where um byron comes out of like the woods in front of the the house with the family and donald pleasance is like oh byron and like try tries to like talk him out of whatever he was doing i didn't really know what was going on but it just didn't seem like he was really putting in any effort which like god bless him but yeah he, he seemed more together earlier in the movie that scene you mm-hmm. know maybe he was already uh, a few drinks deep before they started filming that one yeah he's always didn't. a doctor he's always like the mental patient doctor yeah it seems like yeah but um yeah i would say i would give it a solid 2.5 where like i enjoyed it but i also wouldn't recommend it that's fair. like there's a lot of other slashers in this era 
even like non-american ones like the giallo movies are pretty cool but there's a lot of slashers out there that i would recommend over this it's a cool movie but one pro one thing i wish that it had which i know we just talked about how great it was that there was like three legitimate actors but i kind of wish there was it was three guys who were more like willing to ham it up and yeah. like bring more or like comedy or i don't know just like a different vibe like i didn't really understand the vibe yeah i think it 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 would have been nice if we saw more of this uh trio of uh guys i i think that's what we needed more we got we got too much of uh the straight laced uh dr dan potter there dr dan yeah 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 it's kind of just apologizing for for like for an hour and a half i'm sorry i'm sorry yeah i didn't i didn't kill your doctor <laughs> he's in philadelphia <laughs> yeah th- this was filmed all in new jersey I'm, I'm definitely, uh, yeah, you could definitely tell. I'm, I'm glad that you showed me this one. This was a good one. I can't bang, believe this bang. one slipped by me. Yo, when I was young, I was bad. Had an attitude at my mama owed me something because of my dad. Couldn't handle his eye, couldn't provide. Looked in my eyes and said, don't hate me. Hey, God, and they surprised when a young man want to rob a motherfucker who's flaunting all the things he ain't got. So, young Vader got the anger in his heart. Patter wanted a song, about to shoot another dog. They hated the album, this despite It's selling out the stores, he rocking on the mic Even Tim said he had a better life But he the one who's swinging, getting beat up in a fight Dang, touche Somebody tell the little boys that Mo don't play The ex-girlfriends, bands is such a touch of the stage I crave when words erupt, the hate starts And plus talk is cheap So I guess I'm sitting alone when shit gets deep <laughs>
Kill. I be like move, get out the way cause I move bricks, get out the gay and it's two clips, I get out the play for a few chips, I get out and spray, it's more than shrimps, it's whores and pimps, the difference in our crimes, yours attempts, attempt burglary, attempt theft, you just begun, I'm grand theft, auto racketeering, larceny, conspiracy, murder one, electric chair, I don't deserve the fun, but I get the dose shit, I might splurge on one. Now I know a lot of style some see But listen, stop it child, it's a Dundee I come to your block, stop it, style 1D Gators straight from Crocodile Dundee No rubber sole, hardwood bastard Fitted, legit, it, hardwood classic That shit you talk don't move me nada The dude with the cues be proper Uzi pop your news and choppers It's truly lava Who knew we prosper, the game's a Bitch, woo, we got her shoes, Louis Prada, Groovy, blah, blah, Santana, Zeke, the Koofy Papa, we the movie Shata. But it's really rude boys and rosters with a trailer load of girls, excuse me, Shaba. I wish my homie could watch me live happy days like Joni and Chachi. I'll stay lonely and cocky, dice rolling and rolling them. Cars, no repo, we towing them. Axe black, we totally totaled them. Even blood, he totally totaled it. Plus his life, he totally totaled it. But any girl I get, I totally open them. Brain and they legs, coking and doping them. Kill But I'm like the Iceman, Michael Kuklinski I style on New York, pile up my fork Dips, consulted by the son of Malachi York Doggy, cause I push weight Plus I push tapes God damn, I'm starving and I just say I went and say I'm Nino at the Carter I'm more like the plan and little shop of horrors But I don't say feed me Seymour I say feed me Dane, feed me they used to feed me detours Rockefeller, they feed me C4 The way I blow up, the VS just soar You GS3, I'm GS4 You and Alexis, I'm Gulfstream 4 Up in the sky on a Gulfstream tour You want beef, we'll start a Gulfstream war Lay your ass down on God's green floor We playing golf in the Gulf of New Mexico The course to be the boss, you gotta respect it, ho My gas game, you gotta respect it, go I swear to God, you think I'm working for Texaco. And your sex should know when he day text could blow. Hit up from neck to toe when I come deck your hoe. Killer, killer.
bunch of killers that dealt with punks Now turn them ghosts when you be looking at yourself get stumped I'm a dysfunctional bastard who will puncture your ass with a mag And I'll be glad to send another one after you Without no hesitation I run up in your house and wake your spouse up And give a gun to mouth resuscitation But niggas information, they haunted in the sad Got a mad cause they shitting through their stomach in the bag We coming too strong so it's irrelevant to blast it We massive relics slash like relatives are mad Nearest niggas think it's elephants dancing Coming nearest is the worst mistake that could ever happen When I'm in my vehicle, I'm pulling you in I guarantee you that the world will never see you again Y'all better leave that boy alone Cause if they don't, y'all know he gon' come back on them And they don't want him to come back strong I wonder, get that damn boy going I said leave that boy alone Cause y'all don't know him That damn boy, he out cold And that damn boy, damn, he been known Turn some shit up A real street nigga ain't trying to get in the streets, he trying to get out, feel me? And he ain't the type of dude to pop a key and get drunk And wave his heat all in the air like he's some gung-ho punk And Mr. Soldier in the army loses life for a cause Our niggas dying over pride just to prove he got balls I play keyboards, I don't play beef You bubble guns, I own shit that explode in here You think it's fun when you homesick and you can't really get sleep Cause you the lady nigga that well, that ain't me Man, My cops won't allow me to make decisions in vain I'm a man, I do my bidding and I I'll take it to whoever wanna harm me and my family Bring it now forever
Hold up. You all alone. You all I'ma alone. I'ma like this, boy. You can only count on one person. You know who that is. Yourself. You all alone. Hold you all alone. You better go ahead and get yours, baby. You all keep alone. Your eyes open, you all man. alone. But keep, keep your eyes open, Get rich and stay lowest Laid in the cut, but your still notice When it come to chips, you know my stay focused What I mean, we gotta eat, ain't nothing sweet with that broke Gotta stack it all now, so we could creep Blowing smoke out the door now, bow by the shore now I'd rather use my mind first, instead of slugs hitting When the nine burst, nine bodies and nine hearse Nine funerals, all held in the same church Thinking it's gonna get better, but dog, it only get worse Never seen success in my life, son, that hurt Possessed by the demons at night I've been cursed for all my holding it down, smoking a pound. Keep your guns close and keep lowering your rounds. There's a lot of unfamiliar faces roaming around, and I won't be satisfied till they low in the ground. You all alone, you all alone. Better keep your eyes open and your hands on your throne. You all alone, you all alone. You all alone in these streets. You all alone, you all alone. You all alone in these streets. You all alone, you all alone. Cause the street got eyes Have you flipping on your fam and defeat your guys You can't see the enemy cause they done bleached your eyes Reached your pies, touched you when they creeped on by Snow around the corner is the seat that lies And we never go that route wide cause we too wise Muggy eye, 420, war, 325SLKE class, what we trying to drive You can strive for a mill, I want 4.5 If you live like I'm real, then you walk in lines New York unkind of fake Go and tell Jake Hit you for your dough and leave you in the lake You all alone in these streets, cousin Better keep your eyes open for these creeps thugging Sunk low in the Jeep trucking Release and police ducking And why keep bucking Heat clutching Lift you off your feet for fronting Just peep, the streets is deep in the discussion You all alone, you all alone You all alone in these streets You all alone, you all alone You all alone in these streets You all alone, you all alone Better keep your eyes open and your hands on your chrome You all alone, you all alone You all alone in these streets You all alone, you all alone